0: Hello, I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to this podcast homily for 21st Sunday after Trinity, the 22nd in a series of 26 homilies for Trinity season. Listeners may benefit from the companion AIC seasonal video series, Trinity Tide, the teaching season, which is presented in nine episodes, each linked from the digital library page with podcast versions linked from the podcast archive page at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. The series offers a brief history of the evolution of Whitsunday Pentecost and Trinity season, Anglican traditions of Whit Sunday and Trinity, including the seasonal color and fasting traditions and commentary on the Collect Epistle, and Gospel readings for Whit Sunday Pentecost, Trinity Sunday, all twenty four Sundays after Trinity and Sunday next before Advent in the nineteen twenty eight Book of Common Prayer, the Collect Epistle, and Gospel readings for 21st Sunday after Trinity are discussed in episode 8. The epistle reading for 21st Sunday after Trinity, Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 20, is a mini homily by St. Paul which reflects his and the early church's understanding of the phrase powers of heaven and of spiritual warfare in verse 12 as a struggle not against earthly things or flesh and blood, but against, quote, principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. He did not mean, as some modern interpreters teach, earthly governments, peoples, merchants, and businesses. St. Paul's homily includes some of the strongest allusions in the New Testament to the powerful imagery of the Old Testament concerning the only defense against spiritual wickedness, that is, the whole armor of God, in verses 11 and 13 through 17, including truth, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit, and the shield of faith. These are images not widely understood in our secular society, which rejects spirituality and fix concepts of good and evil. For modern readers, as for St. Paul in these verses, the best defense against evil is spiritual armor given by the word of God and used in perseverance in, prayer and supplication, with all the saints. The gospel reading for 21st Sunday after Trinity, John 4 verses 46 to 54, is St. John's account of the healing of the nobleman's son, the second of three readings from the Gospel of St. John in Trinity season. The time goes backward three years to 27 A.D., as in the reading for the 19th Sunday after Trinity. The location is the village of Cana, the same place where Jesus performed his first sign, turning water into wine at the wedding at Cana, also reported in the Gospel of St. John, and read for third Sunday after the Epiphany. Cana is mentioned in the Gospels only three times, all in St. John's account. It was the hometown of the Apostle Nathaniel, called Bartholomew, in other Gospels. The exact location of biblical Cana is not known. Some Bible scholars believe it was near the modern town of Kephar Kana, about eight miles northeast of Nazareth. Others say it was Kerbet Kana, with one end, the ruins of which lie about 15 miles from Nazareth. The Arab peoples of the Middle East still call Kirbet Kana by the name Cana of Galilee. The Gospel account speaks of a nobleman whose sick and dying son lived at Capernaum, the place on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee where Jesus had moved after leaving Nazareth to begin his ministry as described in the readings from St. Matthew for 19th Sunday after Trinity. Early Christian writers interpreted the term nobleman to mean either a a Roman centurion, that is, a military officer, or alternatively, an officer of King Herod's court. From St. John's account, this nobleman was skeptical but thought Jesus might help. He pleaded that Jesus should come now before the boy died. The nobleman's plea for Jesus' help came long before Jesus' reputation as a healer had become widespread after the raising of the daughter of Jairus, which is the gospel reading for 23rd Sunday after Trinity. Jesus, knowing what was in the nobleman's mind and heart, rebuked him for being one of those who needed what Jesus called signs and wonders as a condition of belief. In the late 4th century, our namesake and patron, St. John Chrysostom, said that such miracles are for unbelievers, that the truly righteous do not require that God constantly perform for them. Two related accounts, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament, shed light on this issue. In the book of Job, Satan taunts God, saying that God's servant Job would abandon him if God's dis. God's favor were taken away from the New Testament there are two examples of Jesus facing this problem temptation by the devil during the forty days of fasting and on his last day on earth by cries. in the former by Satan in the latter by the crowds at the crucifixion that if he were really the Son of God he should perform a miracle and save himself There is an unspoken question raised by this need for signs and wonders. The question is, will your faith hold up if the miracles cease? In the case of Job, the worthy Job's faith in the power and mercy of God was not dependent upon continuing earthly evidence of God's favor. The healing which was demonstrated in this account is unlike most others, because the healed person was not present, but was far away. Unlike the restoring of the sight of the man blind from birth in the pool of Siloam in John chapter 9, the nobleman's son was far away in Capernaum. Although Jesus assured the man that his son was well, the nobleman did not actually believe it until he received reports from his servant who had come from Capernaum saying that his son was healed at the seventh hour, meaning about 1 p.m., the actual time in which Jesus spoke the words that the boy lived. Afterward, John tells us, the nobleman and his whole household believed. That's from John 4, verse 53. St. John Chrysostom and St. Cyril of Alexandria wrote later that this healing of the nobleman's son was actually two healings, a physical act, which was the recovery of the sick child far away, and a spiritual act of healing the doubting nobleman's mind and soul. The message of the reading from St. John's Gospel is that we should be firm in our faith and not expect constant performance by the Lord to keep us reaffirmed or entertained by signs and wonders. Put in more blunt terms, We, in the words of Psalm 27, verse 16b, should, quote, Put thou thy trust in the Lord, unquote. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this podcast homily for 21st Sunday after Trinity are available at our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. Seasonal videos and Christian education videos are linked from the digital library page, Bible study videos from the Bible study page, and the podcast versions of all three from the podcast archive page. Information about AIC bookstore publications is available through the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the home page. I begin with the AIC Bible study video series, New Testament Gospels, presented in 45 episodes. The healing of the nobleman's son, the second of eight signs Jesus did in the Gospel of St. John, is discussed in episode 37. In the Christian education video series, The Lives of the Saints, presented in multiple episodes in two series, From the first series, St. John is the focus of Episode 4, St. Paul of Episode 5, Nathaniel slash Bartholomew of Episode 13. From the second series, St. John Chrysostom is the focus of Episode 9 and Episode 10, and Archbishop Cranmer, one of three martyrs, celebrated in Episode 28. From the AIC Bookstore Publications in Layman's Lexicon, entries of interest are Armor of God, Faith, Flesh, Heaven, Miracles, Mystery, Powers, Righteous Righteousness, Sin, Satan, and Wisdom. From Christian Spirituality and Anglican Perspective, In part one, you'll find discussion of the fundamental duality underlying the discipline of Christian spirituality, that is, the reality of evil in the world and the Christian faith as its only antidote. Spiritual warfare in the context of the apostolic wisdom of Saints Peter and Paul and Saint James and Jude is discussed in part four. And finally, in the prayer book Psalter, History, Text, and Commentary, Psalm 27, is printed and discussed on pages 59 to 61. The first closing prayer for 21st Sunday after Trinity was written by John Cosen, Bishop of Durham in the late 17th century. The second is the Collect for 21st Sunday after Trinity, which Archbishop Cranmer adapted for the 1549 Book of Common Prayer, from the Gelasian Sacramentary as it was used in England before the separation from Rome. Almighty God, Lord of heaven and earth, in whom we live and move and have our being, who doest good unto all men, making the sun rise to rise on the evil and the good, and sending rain on the just and on the unjust, Favorably behold us, thy servants, who call upon thy name, and send us thy blessing from heaven, in giving us fruitful seasons, and satisfying us with food and gladness, that both our hearts and mouths may be continually filled with thy praise, that we may ever give thanks unto thee in thy holy church. Amen. And now the collect. Grant, we beseech thee, merciful Lord, to thy faithful people, pardon and peace, that they may be cleansed from all their sins and serve thee with a quiet mind, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you, May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net